one semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about a food fight. Ooh, a food fight. Wow, that's the sound of mashed potatoes being thrown at oh, you. Oh, is it? <laughs> a lot of people don't know that because they haven't had mashed potatoes thrown at them. I've never had mashed potatoes thrown at me. I've never been involved in a food fight. But you did witness one and you did nothing. No. Hashtag sixth grade. Hashtag. I, oh! <gasps> oh my gosh, you're totally right. A I, day I, which I blocked will it out. Live on in. What, what's it? A live, day that will live in infamy yeah, forever. Yeah. Everyone, Brandy was stripped it of was. her safety patrol badge because That's she right. watched some kids get into a fight with an old bologna sandwich and she stood, I by, stood and by and did, did nothing. nothing. Yeah, it's true. That scandal rocked Mill Creek <laughs> Elementary <did>. School. <laughs> And to this day, Brandy does not have a safety badge. That's true. I am not on safety patrol to this very day. I did get reinstated the next semester, though. Oh. (laughs) How quickly we forget. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody, this is going to be quite the episode. It is an episode, folks. It is. um, Yeah, we've got a big announcement on this episode. Should Should we get to it? I think it'd be hilarious if we delayed it even further than we already have. <laughs> well, the date this episode comes out for Bob Mosses mm-hmm. will be February 27th, which happens to be the six-year anniversary of when we released our very first episode on this podcast. And what a more poetic time <laughs> to tell you all. That we are ending, let's go to court. Hmm. Yeah. Six years. It's been a great run. Yeah. It's been so fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, time, it's time to end, end it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how we got here and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for the last, I would say six to 12 months... I have been dealing with really severe anxiety, um, kind of around the podcast, around content creation in general. And within the last couple of months, I've taken some time to really examine that anxiety and its source and um, really come to the conclusion that I, I have to adjust my priorities in my life. Um, I am a wife and mother first, a hairstylist second, and a podcaster third. Mm-hmm. And I, there's not enough of me for all three of those. And that is a huge source of my anxiety. And so for my mental health, for my family, for what's best for me, and for this beautiful family that I spent my whole life like dreaming of, it's time. It's time to be done with the podcast. Yeah. Um, it's gotten to the point where I, I have loved doing the podcast, but it is a ton of work. I think people don't realize how much work creating, especially a research-based podcast, any any kind of content in general, but yeah, research-based yeah. content is a, is a lot um, on top of that, how much of a time commitment that is. And as this podcast has gotten bigger, it has become even, you know, the commitment gets larger and larger and London is at the age now that she knows 
when I'm working. Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of days where I've come home from work at the salon and I have to do podcast work. And my beautiful daughter runs up to me and says, Mommy, do you have to work tonight? And I have to tell her yes. And that's been really hard on me. It's sad. It's really sad. Um, and so, yeah, that has brought us here. Yeah. <laughs> to where, where we're winding this up. And I know, I know I'm sad about it. I'm sad not to do this thing with you anymore, Kristen. I'm, I've had a lot of fun doing yeah. it. It's been a really fun thing. But it's really important for me to show my family that they are my priority. Absolutely. So I'm really, I'm really, really happy about the time that I will get to spend with my amazing husband and my beautiful children. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, I know that when a politician says this, it's because they <laughs> fucked the wrong person. No. I assure you, that's not what. <laughs> that's not. That's Brady not it didn't at all. go to Brazil. What's what was that one South Carolina governor? Oh um, yeah. Anyway, Brandy's not him. I'm know. not. No, I haven't. I haven't banged anybody other than my husband. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you know you've been working essentially two full time jobs. Yeah. This entire time. Yep. Yeah. And I, holy crap, it's too much. It's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much. And for a long time, my self-worth was very tied to my productivity. Yeah. And so. Holy shit. Yeah. Like really, really big. Yeah. And that has shifted. That has changed. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. And it's largely because of my amazing husband mm-hmm. who has made me see myself differently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's different when you want to be home. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, well, hopefully a lot of people know that feeling of your whole life changes when you actually want to be home with the people you choose. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think, gosh, I don't know what to say. We can talk as long as we want. I think people will be sad about this. And I'm sad that the podcast is ending as well. But I'm so happy about what it means for my family. I'm happy about the clarity yeah. that you have. Like, yeah. um, It's funny. So I'm going to try to pull back the curtain just a bit just because yeah, like, I feel course. like we've been really genuine with people, yeah. you know, for six years. So why would we stop yeah. now? But like watching you work as hard as you have chosen to work mm-hmm. over the years yeah. has been wild. Yeah. And I remember... At one point, talking to my mom, this was like a couple years mm-hmm. ago even, and my mom was like, how is Brandy doing this? Because this was back when we were still doing a case every yeah. week, and, you know, you were still working at yeah. the salon. Yeah, And, Brand- and my, my mom's also named Brandy. No. <laughs> no. And my mom was like, how is she doing this? And I said, Brandy is like that cartoon of the dog yeah. drinking coffee with flames all around him saying, yep. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Except for you, it's more like, it's perfect. It's Mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. And so the thing I want to own in this, because I look back on that and I'm like, hmm, that was kind of dumb of me because I always thought like, yeah, Brandy's the dog with the flames all around her saying it's fine, it's fine. But like, if I'm your friend and I see that you're the dog sipping coffee with flames all around you. That means I'm in the room with you, yeah, and I'm not absolutely. saying shit. Yeah, I'm not leaving the room, scampering <laughs> off to save myself. Right, but I'm also yeah. not saying like, "Hey, should we put out these flames?" Or, "Hey, do we want to leave this room entirely?" Right. 
And so, you know, I do want to, like, just own that, like, we've been talking about this for a while just because we've been trying to make it work as business partners. And that's one thing when it's like a side hustle. It's one thing when you're not making any money at it. But, like, you know, trying to make it work as business partners and really not figuring out why it's not working. Yeah. But, like, I really have a lot of respect for the fact that you did the hard thing of you looked at your life, you looked at what your priorities were, and you made your life – well, you're making your I'm life. making my life. The fact that you're here right now shows you fucked up already. I know. I know. I'm already failing miserably. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. No, you're, you're doing the hard work. Yeah. And, like, it's funny because – you know, obviously we've talked about this with Norm and stuff and Norm's in content creation, too. And he's like, hey, I totally get wanting to get out of content creation yeah. because there are aspects of it that suck. Yeah. I really love I it. I know you love content I creation. I love Absolutely. it. And I yeah. love podcasting. Yeah. And I'm going to figure something out for myself. Yeah. Who knows what, my <laughs> friends. But, yeah, this this podcast has been a wild ride. Yeah, and like. Has. Six years is a long time for a little independent podcast, but we've done a lot and we've changed a lot. I was going to say, I am such a different person than I was when we started this podcast. I'm I'm just so different in so many ways. I have a husband who is just, I adore Mm -hmm. and who is obsessed with me and just like wants me to be around. (laughs) No, not like in in the best way possible. And I have these beautiful children and just honestly, this life that I dreamt of for so long. Mm -hmm. But since I've had it, I've had no time to enjoy it. Yeah. And no time to be present for my family. And so that is what I'm so excited about. And yeah. just I it has coming to this decision together to to end this and and know what that means for my life moving forward with my family. Just I have so much peace with it. And I just yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. So now's probably a good time to say our last hurrah will be our live show That's at the right. end of March. We're going out <laughs> with a bang. We're closing it out with the two live shows, folks. Speaking of which, we should probably tell our touring company. We might yeah. want to mention it to them. <laughs> <laughs> we maybe should mention it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a big thing that brought me to this point. Well, too, sure. Was us talking about going on tour and the idea of leaving my family to do that like mm-hmm. I had zero interest in that yeah and so that was a big a big thing that brought us to this to this point too well and you know it's funny like again I'm gonna pull back the curtain more and if I'm pulling back the curtain too mm-hmm. much we'll have Patty bleep five <laughs> minutes straight of this <laughs> but no like there are options when you go on tour sure. to, you know, hop on a bus for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we didn't want to do that or to go for like, you know, a weekend here mm-hmm. and there. And like, you know, you and I and some of our business conversations that have yeah. been like, oh, we could level up in this way or yeah. even we could introduce more work life balance. Mm-hmm. But like the thing is, like, if deep down you know that what you want is to not be doing this, yeah. then there's not going to be any, like, half step or yeah. Yeah. 
I, why am I not coming up with words? There's just not going to be a solution that sounds good if the truth is like, well, no, I don't want to do any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It took a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection, a lot of really hard looking at yeah. what my life is and well if you're the dog sipping coffee with flames yeah. around you you don't just all of a sudden realize there are flames no exactly the squirrel tells you <laughs> yeah. hey something's really wrong yeah. here and then you know we have hard conversations yeah. how far can this metaphor stretch right. <laughs> and shouldn't the squirrel be having some coffee as well yeah yeah now i'm thinking about the way i've changed since the podcast started it's a and lot, right? No, I just am down one fallopian tube. Okay. That's the only no, thing. you've changed a ton. <laughs> no, I think it's funny because when we started, I was so nervous about trying. Yeah. And, you know, we've had so much success with this, like so mm-hmm. much more, you know, I want to say more than we imagined, but really like it's funny I always had big dreams yeah, for this. Yeah, of course. And I think that's partly why this is painful for me. Mm-hmm. But also, there's no better reason to quit than wanting to spend time with your family and just genuinely looking at your life and realizing content creation isn't for me. Yeah. When I think about like what the podcast has done for me, it's like it's the reason I got into therapy in the first place, which has mm-hmm. been so, so impactful and mm-hmm. meaningful. I remember like early on when we would get negative comments. Mm-hmm. Well, when we got positive ones, I could take those and be like, oh, well, that's, isn't that nice? Yeah. The negative ones, it was the truth. Yeah. And it didn't matter what it was. Yeah. Somebody could have said that I was a lizard person and I would have been yeah. like, well, that's, well, that's, that's me. They that's figured true. me out. Yeah. But like, Therapy has helped me so much to deal with that and, like, become more courageous as a creator. And, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm just grateful for this community. I'm grateful for the person who said, hey, by the way, I think you have ADHD. (laughs) She was right. And, boy, has she impacted my life. (laughs) No, I am so thankful for the community that has has come together because of this podcast and I am so thankful for all of the people who supported us along this six-year journey um it's it's truly been amazing and yeah I know I we did have big dreams for this but this was this was more successful than I think I I imagined it would be yeah and what a fun amazing ride that has been yeah 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 but for sure content creation not for me (laughs) (laughs) What is it, Brandy? What, what is, is it the constant feedback? Is that rough? It is. Uh, yeah, I think um, it is not for the tenderhearted. I'll no, tell you that. No, it's not. It is it's not. Really not. Content creation is not for the tenderhearted. And it has, um, yeah, it's really, it has really taken a toll on me over the years. I can jump in because, <laughs> I mean, I obviously just talked about, like, my own journey and dealing yeah. with, like, negative stuff mm-hmm. and you know, I feel like I've gotten, gosh, knock on wood, I feel like I've gotten to a better place with that. Yeah. 
but it is hard. So, okay, for anyone who knows, I'm on Instagram in the way that your grandmother is on Instagram. <laughs> I have one photo up. It's from mm-hmm. a gas station. Yeah. And it's a hilarious photo, so you should definitely follow me for all my <laughs> hot pics on there. But, like, I'm never on there. Yeah. But then we did some recent, um, like, collabs with Joey and Ellen from I Think Not. Yeah. Love their podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't really mean to call somebody out. So don't, like, go looking for this. But somebody made a shitty comment specifically about Joey. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there were a few people who were like, uh, I don't like collapse, which I'm, I'm totally fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. Um, Absolutely. I think that's a perfectly valid criticism. You know, sometimes podcasters I've listened to, they do mm-hmm. a collab and I'm like, I don't like this. Now, yeah. do I comment it? No, but hey, whatever. You know, we're, <laughs> we're entitled to our opinions. But someone was like, I don't like collabs. And she said something like, "I and I can't stand Joey. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> me with my brand new to Instagram heart, I just, I had to Midwest mom it up. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, hey, it's fine if you don't like collabs, but you don't have to be rude about it. Yeah. And the funniest thing about that whole interaction to me was that the person kind of responded, and I can't remember what exactly it was, but mm-hmm. the the general idea was like, how was I rude? Mm-hmm. The funny thing about that to me is I genuinely believe that person. I genuinely believe yeah, that, that they a lot not. of people yeah. will say about a content creator, I can't stand them. Yep. And think of that as critique and not in terms of like that is a real human person mm-hmm. who is going to see that comment yeah. and maybe go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And – you know, I, I sincerely doubt that Joey's really... No, I don't think Joey know, gives a shit. No, and good for him. <laughs> good but, for Joey. But, you know, that yeah. is an aspect to this it that is. I think you'll be happy to I leave behind. I will be behind. very happy to leave behind. <laughs> I will be extremely happy to leave behind, yes. And I will continue to Midwest mom it up uh, every couple years in a comment section on Instagram. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, this is wild. It is. It is. But I think, um, I don't know, what a way for us to go out. Renouncing yeah. it on the six-year anniversary. Very, You know how I love my dates. Very poetic. You do. Yeah. And then, I don't know, what a way to end it with our with our sold-out live shows. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Or not. What if it's really sad and well, terrible? No, it's not going to be sad and terrible what if the because show we're going to have sucked. a good time. No, it's not. And they're not. like, oh, they phoned it in because it's the last thing. No. And we're like, yeah, First of all, we did. I'm, I've already got the case. I'm not phoning <laughs> it in. Don't worry. It's going to be great. And we'll all get to, I mean, we can do like a big group hug. <laughs> boy, boy, you're really, you're really making some commitments I meant like, like an air hug from the stage. I could tell, but you know, they're listening and they're like, I'm going to put some hands on no. people. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Are we missing anything? I don't know. Are we? I don't know. Listeners, you tell us. Are we missing anything? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to continue to put out episodes. Yeah, we'll put out episodes Um, between now and the live show. Our last episode will come out the last week of March. Our two live shows are the last weekend of March. And then that's it. And then we walk off into the sunset. Into the sunset. That's right. Will we be on a beach? No, because we live in Kansas That's City. That's right. There's no maybe, beach. Maybe like a... There's oh, a beach at Shawnee Mission Park. Oh, no. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. 
saddest thing I've ever heard. I will walk next to you along the Missouri River. How's that? I know it is. But at least it's not (laughs) man-made. It's a genuine riverbank. That's true. Ugh. No, but seriously, thank you to everybody who has supported us on this six-year journey. It has been incredible. It has been incredible. And I love the community that has come together around our show. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it has been really cool to watch that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really proud of the community we have. Yeah, same. The people are really cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like they need very little babysitting, which I feel like cannot be said about a lot of true crime uh, communities out there. I completely agree, yeah. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. few Karens in our group, yeah. and we are proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I need to put on chapstick. Okay. Mm. Do you ever make noises when you put on chapstick? Not usually. Me neither. It'd be really uncool. <laughs> but, you know, now that we've potentially bummed some people out, I'm going to pick them back up with a, raucous, a, food fight? a raucous historical drama. Oh, really? This, honestly, you're going to hate this story. Oh, great. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're not going to hate it as much as the bonus episode. Was. Oh, good. <laughs> Everyone, I don't know if you've heard of Nathan Fielder, but let me just say, for the bonus episode, I covered a case. I told Brandy straight to her face, yeah, he graduated from one of Canada's top business schools with really good grades, and she didn't bat an eye. And I, I realized, yeah, I realized. Is that from his show? I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. That's, okay. that's what made the episode wonderful, okay. in my view. And horrible, in your view. Okay. Here we go. All right. Shout outs to the Poison Squad episode of American Experience. Okay. Which is based on the book. The Poison Squad, colon, one chemist's single-minded crusade for food safety at the turn of the 20th century by Deborah Bloom. Okay. Did you like the colon? I know how much you love a colon (laughs) and how much you love it announced. I love when when you say colon. Some people pause. Yeah. Not me. And it's because Brandy has asked me not to. Also, shout out to Sheree Ray. Ooh, Sheree Ray recommend this case? Four years ago, she recommended this ago. case. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, you know what? This podcast, like, there are only so many episodes left. Yeah. If I don't cover this, yeah. I will never hear the end oh, of it. Oh, that's right. So here we go. Also, little disclaimer, this isn't so much a story about one court case as it is about a man who lobbied for a ton of laws that are still in effect today. Very good. So put on a pot of coffee, Marge. This one will take a while. Okay. Also, this story is really gross. So Excellent. And I'm going to make it grosser. Oh, oh, boy. Because I'm in that kind of mood. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Picture it. The mid-1800s in Kent, Indiana. A young Harvey Washington Wiley was born in a log cabin where he grew up on his family farm. Oh, my gosh. I actually don't technically know that he was born in the log oh. cabin, but that's just how you say it, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. They churned their own butter. They milked their own cows. They choked their own chickens. No. Classic farm stuff. What? (laughs) You don't say choked their own chickens. Well, who do you think choked the chickens? Stop it. (laughs) The Wileys were a progressive family. 
Harvey's dad, Preston, was a preacher, and he believed strongly in treating people well and in doing the right thing. And on a definitely related note, Harvey's parents were conductors on the Underground Railroad. So Harvey grew up in this family that valued social justice and also really valued education. You're still thinking about those chickens, aren't you? No! (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. When he got old enough, he served in the Union Army. And then Harvey went off to Indiana Medical College, where he got his medical degree. Mm Mm-hmm. And afterward, guess where he went? I, I don't know. Well, they call it the Simmons University of oh, Cambridge. He went to Harvard? Yeah, he went to Harvard. Wait, he already got his medical degree and he's going to Harvard for what? What, like it's hard? Yeah, <laughs> he wanted a degree in chemistry. Isn't he done? <laughs> no, he's not done. He's really cool and smart. And also he like got his bachelor's from Harvard in like a couple months because... It's the 1800s and everything's ridiculous. I don't know. Please don't ask any follow-up questions. In 1874, after he graduated from Harvard, Purdue University came a-knockin'. And they asked Harvey to be their very first chemistry chemistry professor, (laughs) (laughs) which is how they pronounced it. Okay. Today, we, of course, call it a chemistry professor. Yes. And he was like, absolutely, I will. Harvey spent a few years teaching chemistry, working in the lab, and the whole time he was really passionate about using chemistry to address what he thought of as a growing problem with America's food. Around this time, you had the Industrial Revolution, which meant more and more people were moving to cities, and they were no longer getting their food from their backyard or from the farm next door. So there was this big demand for manufactured food. And companies like Pillsbury and Nabisco and Heinz all popped up to help. Mm -hmm. They created cheap food and sent it out all over this great nation. But food is perishable, Brandy, and these were the days before refrigeration. But don't worry about it. Because these companies figured out that if they added just a sprinkling of borax or a drop of formaldehyde, uh, the food would last a lot longer. These were the initial food preservatives? What? Just fucking poison? You got a problem with it? (laughs) Yeah. Here's the great news. They didn't have to tell anyone what they'd added to the food because, as we all know, ingredient lists are for liberal cucks. (laughs) Around this time, meatpacking industries flourished. It made perfect sense. You could grow livestock in the Midwest, have it processed in Chicago, bing, bang, boom, put that meat on a train headed to New York City in no time. And you want to hear the best part? Yeah. There weren't any stupid health inspectors or nosy Nancys getting their panties in a bunch about dumb shit like sanitary conditions or minimum standards. Okay. Mm -mm. Makes me real nervous. Hmm. Tell me you're a liberal cuck without telling me you're a liberal cuck. This new manufactured food industry was all very efficient and very profitable for the men who ran those companies. And when you really think about it, that's all that matters. Don't you agree? Yes, you do. She nodded. She nodded. She agrees. But Dr. Harvey Wiley knew that these companies were up to something. He knew that they had to be adding chemicals to their food. He just wasn't sure what exactly they were adding Mm -hmm. and how harmful it might be. Yeah. 
1878, he took a sabbatical to Europe because European countries were like light years ahead of the U.S. on this issue. And by light years, I mean like 20 years. Uh But, you know, light years sounds way more dramatic. Well, I mean, at that, 20 years is a long time in terms of technological developments. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Their scientists had been ringing alarm bells about chemicals in food for years. And their governments had, get this, listened. Mm Mm-hmm. For example, in the mid-1800s, like 20 people in a town in Great Britain died because some stupid candy company added arsenic to their food coloring, and they put it in the candy. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, in 1860, Britain passed a law that was like, hey. No poison in the food, please. (laughs) (laughs) We get that it makes it look nice, but come on. We hate to be pains in the asses, (laughs) but come on. 20 years later, France banned salicylic acid in its wine because some of the scientists were like, oh, this is toxic. (laughs) Around that same time, Germany had been like, yeah, and banned it from its beer. They were saying yeah to the French scientists. Sure. And nine to the salicylic acid in the beer. Do you get it? I do. Okay. It's science, so I know it might be tough to keep Uh up with this fast-paced tale I'm telling. (laughs) So Harvey found himself in this environment where scientists were studying the safety of food and being taken seriously for their work, and he loved it. So when his sabbatical was over, Harvey came back to the U.S. to find out what exactly was being put in America's food. He began conducting experiments, and pretty soon the Indiana State Board of Health asked him to conduct a study on the honey and maple syrup that was being sold all over Indiana. Mm. So he did. And you know what he found out? It was dirty. Dirty how? I don't know. Contaminated? I don't know. Ooh, ooh, dirty in what way? Contaminated. Okay. He popped open the top and that Christina Aguilera song played. Yeah. He's like, well, this, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) He discovered that like 90% of the bottles were just fakes. The honey and maple syrup on store shelves was really just corn syrup <gasps> that had been dyed to look wow. like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was outraged, as I'm sure you would be as well. I would be. These food manufacturers were lying to the public. It wasn't right. They shouldn't be able to get away with it. So he published his findings and all hell broke loose. The food manufacturers were mad as hell because he was coming after their money and they started a smear campaign against him, which was kind of funny because it's about honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even the beekeepers were mad at him because they blamed him for bringing bad publicity to the honey industry. Well, they were like, it puts us in a sticky situation, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. But yeah. no, it's not his fucking fault. Exactly. But people do this shit all the time. Okay. You know, like I would think that the bee people would be happy about this because now people are going to be like, I want to make sure I'm getting pure honey and not this colored corn syrup business. You would think that. But I mean, big honey, (laughs) which is apparently just big corn syrup. Yeah. They're doing their smear campaign. All right. And yeah, they feel like, oh, this is bad for all of us. Okay. So. In conclusion, even though he was just trying to do the right thing, everyone hated him, including his bosses at Purdue. He applied for a job as the president of the university, and they were like, 
man, um, you're just too much for us. You're like too young and too jovial and you're single, which is super weird. Also, you're not quite uptight enough. And, you know, how about you hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no, <laughs> no more, more, no, no more, more, no more, no more. more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they did a mashup with that Christina Aguilera song. Okay. Which, again, <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering when those songs were written mm-hmm. is my thing. Harvey did hit the road. But he hit the road indignantly because he knew that he had been super right and everyone else had been super wrong. He landed on his feet pretty quickly. He got a job at the kind of newish Department of Agriculture where he would lead their division of chemistry. It was just a shitty office and he didn't have much of a staff, but Harvey was pumped. He was like, we are going to study American food. Uh! <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm really kicking it old school. I feel like with the podcast ending, I don't have to hold back. You don't don't hold I, back now. Get I here. I can make this a <laughs> sticky situation if I want. One of the first things he wanted to study was the dairy industry, specifically milk. Hmm. Because at that time, everyone drank milk because yeah. everyone was gross. Lots of people still drink milk, Kristen. Adults who sit down with a glass of milk should be locked up. My family is full of milk drinkers. Lock them up. <laughs> Round them up, boys. Do you sit down with No, a glass I am of not a milk mm-hmm. drinker, but mm-hmm. my my name names. My dad is 10 oh. pounds fun fact. He drinks a glass of milk every night before he goes to bed. Like a warm glass? No, a oh. cold glass. He would never drink a warm glass. Oh, heavens. Absolutely. Okay. Casey, Casey does the same thing, I think. Wow. She loves some milk. Big milk drinkers. You know, what I feel in my heart toward adult milk drinkers, and I'm not talking about milk and cereal. I'm talking yeah, about a glass a of glass milk. A glass of milk, yeah. It's the same same energy I have toward Disney adults. <laughs> okay. And I bet you... If we did a Venn diagram, There'd it would be just some crossover. It'd just be one circle. <laughs> well, I can tell you my dad's not a Disney adult. Have you gone through his closet? Because I feel like you might find some, like, Mickey shorts. <laughs> anyway, at this time, and apparently in modern times, everybody's drinking milk. Tons of it, especially children. And with more people moving to cities, these dairy companies were getting creative about extending the shelf life of milk. Oh, yeah? What's wrong? You don't like creativity? What are they putting in it? What do you think they were putting um, in it? Turpentine. Oh, don't be weird. It's just my guess. <laughs> uh, their tactics were disgusting, so hold on to your hat. Okay. Here we go. In order to make this milk, and milk is in quotation marks because oh, this is absolutely not milk in my book, they'd mix a pint of warm water with a quart of milk. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not so bad, right? But then that would be kind of blue looking, so you got to whiten that up. So what do you do? You add chalk. Mm. Or plaster of Paris, whatever you got lying around. Okay, right? great. But here's the thing. Some people like that layer of cream at the top of the milk, right? But how are you going to do that? I've got the solution. You put in a dollop of pureed calf brains. Oh, my God, that's so much worse than what I was imagining. Oh, but wait, there's more. These manufacturers discovered that if they added a little formaldehyde, just a touch of formaldehyde, 
it made the milk stay fresher longer, and it tasted kind of sweet. So you know, people would drink sour milk without realizing that oh it had gone sour. Gosh. I told you this was gross. I am sorry. <laughs> were people dying? Yes. 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 People were absolutely dying. Children were dying. Yes. Yeah. People bought this stuff having no idea that they were feeding their children liquid calf brains with chalk and formaldehyde mixed in. But the problem wasn't just with packaged milk. By that point, especially in New York City, there were a lot of breweries. And, you know, maybe to make a little extra money, the breweries would sometimes buy a cow. And for the entirety of that cow's life, it would be chained outside the brewery, eating whatever swill that was left over from the brewery. Mm -hmm. These cows would get so sick from malnutrition that they would often die as they were being milked. Wow. And that unsanitary, not-at-all-nutritious milk would be sold in the street, unrefrigerated, in buckets. Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) That is horrifying. You know what I'm realizing? I'm realizing at the start of this episode, we probably bummed a lot of people out. And now now we're we're going to make them throw them out. Yeah, nobody be eating right now. Oh, yeah. No. Boy. You're going to you're going to want to listen to this on your lunch break. Listen to this on the turlet. (laughs) (laughs) This milk killed thousands of children every year. And no one was ever held accountable for their deaths because what the dairy industry was doing was not illegal. Don't you love it? Big business. <laughs> Buyer yeah. beware. Mm-hmm. So Harvey conducted these studies, which revealed that this milk was absolutely disgusting. In one sample, it had live worms in the bottom of it. Ugh. And also, as a side note, because, you know, he's not just studying milk. He was like, oh, would my gosh, would you look at this? Everything that's being sold as butter is actually margarine. A lot of it is, anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's no actual dairy in it? It's just oil? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these were just margarine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quick question for you. What's worse, the margarine or the milk? The milk is way yeah. worse. Well, that's one opinion. Let's see how this shakes out. <laughs> okay. okay. So once his studies were concluded, he published the results. And in that publication, he's like, hey, um, I think this is all a pretty good argument for the federal regulation of the dairy industry. Am I right? And, oh, boy, did that piss off the dairy industry. And it pissed off other food manufacturers as well because they were like, okay, if you're coming after them, you're probably going to come after us next. And we do not like that. Frankly, Harvey's research also pissed off a lot of politicians because they were being bought off by the food industry. They didn't actually want to take a stand on these issues. But Harvey's study kind of forced them to address the problem with the dairy industry. So they did. Sort of. Okay. Congress held a few hearings, but they skipped all the milk stuff because we can all agree that's not anything we need to worry about. And instead, they were like, man, oh, man, can you believe that companies are saying that margarine is butter? I can't believe it. I can't believe We will it's not, not stand butter. for that. It is wrong. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that was the outrageous part. They're upset about the margarine and the butter, not the the poisoned milk. I mean, that's what they're pretending. They're okay. pretending like, oh, oh, we're going to do something. 
and we're going to do something about this much smaller issue okay. that's not a real thing. Yeah. Anyway, they passed the Butter Act of 1886, which you don't even seem grateful for. Okay. <laughs> What's that say? It didn't do shit. It was okay. just like, hello, we did some things. Uh-huh. Here's proof. Yeah. Harvey was very annoyed. Yeah. But he kept going. He studied all kinds of foods. He found that most of the coffee being sold was actually just sawdust and ash mixed together. Mm. Great. He discovered that what was being sold as pepper was really just a lot of charcoal and coconut shells ground up and mixed together. Wow. I know. Canned beans were just full of copper sulfate. Mm, chemically. <laughs> Harvey did his studies and he published his reports, but his reports were really only being read by government officials and industry insiders. And that was a problem. By this point, Harvey knew that it wasn't enough to get his studies out to a small group of very well-informed people. He wanted everyone to know what was really going on with the food that they were actually consuming. So he hired this science writer who could take his boring scientific studies and write about them in a way that was accessible to the masses. And the writer did a great job. Maybe too good a job. What do you mean? Well, you know... Harvey's bosses at the Department of Agriculture were like, "Uh, hey, you've gone too hard. People are getting a little fired up here. Uh, We do not like you. Also, we are firing that writer. Oh, shit. They cut his budget. They were big dickholes. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a terrible visual. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I wrote it last night, and I thought, I'm going to change that because that's a weird thing to say in a script that's already pretty weird because we've got the calf brains pureed. Yeah. Um, But here we sit. And the fact is they were big dickholes, okay? So don't question it. Okay. (laughs) His career was going nowhere. Everyone was getting slowly poisoned, but they didn't know it, and there was nothing Harvey could do about it. And then his parents died. Well, shit. And And wait, did they leave him some money and so now he can take on his life's crusade of making food safer? I, no, I I mean, maybe they left him some money, but he was, you know, it was a big group of kids. All right. Yeah, there was no mention of money, but there was mention of depression. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Say it with me, Brandy. Depression. Depression. If you're feeling depressed, it's probably just the way you're pronouncing the word. (laughs) If it worked for me, it can work for you. Okay, so he's got this depression, but then, oh, 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 he met a super hot librarian at the USDA library, the sexiest place on earth. And he was like, Anna Kelton, I love you. You're so hot. I'm pretty sure I dreamt you up in a poem I wrote 25 years ago. Would you like to hear it? Also, please marry me. What? And Anna, Anna, I think he was a little cooler than that, but not much cooler because Anna was like, "Uh, dude, you're like 30 years older than me. Please go away. Also, no, I will not accept your proposal. Gosh, did she die of tuberculosis? He poisoned her with formaldehyde. It feels a little, little... No, 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 no. He's a much better guy than that dude you covered. Stop that. I I know what road you're going down, and I will stop you in your tracks. (laughs) Anyway, the important thing is that with that, he suffered another touch of 
Depression. But then, in 1898, American troops were sent to Cuba for the Spanish-American War.、Mm. And of course, some of the big food manufacturers that Harvey absolutely hated got massive government contracts to feed the troops. And pretty soon, newspapers started printing reports about soldiers opening up their rations and getting rancid meat.、Mm. <laughs> Gross. I liked how your initial reaction sounded like it could be a little bit of a、mm. no. <laughs> Mmm, rancid、no. meat. Stop it!、Gross. I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> Soldiers were getting sick. They complained that their food smelled like chemicals. One army medic said that his rations smelled like a dead body that had been preserved in formaldehyde. And he's like, "And I would know because I'm a medic." <laughs> And everyone was like, "Ew!" The American public was outraged. They were like, "Are you kidding me? We're poisoning our own troops." Is this what it takes to get people to care about what's in the food? Gee, I don't know. Well, tell us more. I can't. I、uh, actually stopped. No. <laughs> so the U.S. Army was like, "Oh shit, people are really mad、yeah. about this. This is bad." But they were like, "Don't worry, everyone. We are going to investigate the shit out of this." Yeah. And they did a 12-second investigation, and afterward they were like, "Hey, turns out everything's fine." Adjourned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the meat is fine. Keep eating, boys.、Yeah. But no one was that stupid. The public was already pissed off that the troops had been fed nasty, unsafe rations, and now they were double pissed off about this very obvious cover-up. It got so bad that Congress held hearings about the scandal. And the star witness of those hearings was New York Governor Teddy Roosevelt. He'd been in Cuba at the time of the scandal, and he told a story about how he saw one of his men throw away his rations. And Teddy was like, "Whoa, hey, aren't you going to eat that?" And the man was like,、uh, "I can't. It's nasty." And so Teddy was like, "Well, you know, give it to me. I'll eat it." Picked it up and realized that the canned meat was coated in green slime. Oh gosh. He told Congress, "I would have rather eaten my hat than eaten those military rations." Yeah. So Congress had no choice but to take this seriously, and they asked Harvey Wiley to investigate the issue. And you know what? I think it's time for an ad. For an ad. Doodaloo. Woo, Randy. Have I told you how much I'm loving prose? Tell me all about it. I feel more confident walking out the door in the morning because I feel like I can embrace my natural hair texture with prose. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to a custom hair and skin routine with prose, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes. But beyond that too. Okay, on the hair front. Yeah, what do you think? It's I'm feeling like shinier. Shinier, yes. More moisturized.、Yeah. I love that. But also, the skincare is really good too.、Yeah. I love their serum. They sell.、Oh, It's very hydrating.、Cool. It sits well on my skin. Top notch. Excellent. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. 
<laughs> Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com LGTC. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com LGTC. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash L-G-T-C. And we're back from the ad. Doodaloo. Okay. When we left off. Yes, Harvey green was... slime in the rations. Yeah, and now we've Harvey's got, Harvey's got Harvey on the case. Yeah. Okay. So Harvey and his team gathered up all the cans of rations and, of course, discovered that they were disgusting. Yeah. The meat was decomposed, but surprisingly, there was no formaldehyde mm-hmm. present. It was just really disgusting meat that was not fit for consumption. Consumption, yeah. At the end of the investigation, Harvey determined that the troops who got sick from the rations were probably suffering from bacterial infections mm-hmm. from the meat because they'd eaten rancid beef in a very hot climate. And oh, oh, my gosh. gosh. Yep. And Sorry, I just kicked my chair. Wow, great <laughs> job. <laughs> And yeah, when Harvey announced these conclusions, he was like, um, hey, uh, hot take. This meat that we're talking about being so bad, this meat that we're all scandalized by, it's the same shit that's in grocery stores all over America right now. So maybe we should do something about that. And Congress was like, oh, no, thank you. Shh, 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 shh. And he's like, it's creepy. And they kept, shh, 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 shh. Mm-hmm. they kept going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harvey was pissed off. By that point, he kind of accepted that politicians weren't going to do anything about this issue. They were clearly in the pockets of the food industry. The only way to make a change was to get the public's attention. If the public got fired up about this issue, then surely the government would have to regulate the food industry. Harvey figured that the best way to do that was to study the effects of these chemicals on actual humans. Okay, so this is where we pause, because to be clear, for most of his career, he'd believed that the chemicals that were being added to foods probably were not super harmful. Mm -hmm. He just felt that, you know, if a company's going to add a chemical to food, they should disclose it to customers so the customer could decide for themselves. Yeah. But, you know, now he's going to study whether those chemicals actually did any harm. He just had to find a group of people who were willing to be poisoned yeah. for science. Great. So with funding from Congress, he put ads in government newsletters seeking volunteers. His goal was simple. He wanted very healthy 20-something-year-old men who were willing to eat anything. As compensation for participating in the study, he offered the men three meals per day for free, you know, uh, a little poisoned. Yeah. Uh, and $5 per month, which adjusted for inflation is only like 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not much money. <laughs> okay, what do you think the results were? I bet a ton of people signed up for it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to Harvey's surprise, a ton of dudes were like, yes, I want to be part of this experiment. Yeah. Okay, so they talked about this. I mean, obviously, I'm just retelling you the episode of American Experience, basically. But one of the talking heads kind of summed it up this way. It's like you're talking about 20-something-year-old men Mm -hmm. getting all their meals paid for. They know they're engaging in something kind of dangerous. But the guy said something kind of funny. He was kind of like, 
it's basically you're going up to 20-year-old guys and be like, do you want to do something kind of dangerous and stupid but also cool and important? Yeah. And it turns out like most 20-year-old guys are like, actually, yes, I do. Yes, I do. So he whittled the group down to 12 volunteers, and he made them pinky promise to eat only the food that he served them and to definitely not sue the federal government if this thing went sideways. The 12 men agreed to be part of this study, and they sacrificed a lot. First of all, they couldn't eat any more snacks, which I don't know how common snacking was in these days. I bet it was... I bet people are eating snacks. I feel like snacking is more modern. It definitely is because there weren't as many snack options. Well, yeah, it was all formaldehyde, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Also, they couldn't go out drinking. No shit. Yeah, and they had to agree to, like, constant monitoring of their health. Like, they'd be weighed all the time, blood tested, urine tested, stool tested. I was waiting for that one, the Mm. stool testing. Mm -hmm. You're pretty excited about that? No. Yep. Just put that in your Ziploc and Ew. take it down to the lab. Gross. Well, how do you think they do it? I, I, mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Suddenly you're clamming up. Well, I don't think Ziplocs are used, but. Like <laughs> well, jars. it wasn't bare hands. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they would eat all their meals in a restaurant that had been built in Harvey's laboratory at the Department of Agriculture. On the door outside the restaurant, it read, none but the brave can eat the fair. Ooh. Yeah. I think that'd be a cool sign for that's, your kitchen. That's a very cool sign. Yeah, right? Yes. And in November of 1902, the experiments began. Harvey's plan was to add one chemical additive to each meal, upping it a bit as he went to see what effect it had on the volunteers. The first thing he tested was borax. Okay. I had no idea. Borax, the cleaning agent? Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out borax was being added to a ton of food at this time. And food, what? Isn't the active ingredient in borax boric acid? Yeah, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. What's what's your problem? Yeah, I don't. You look like you got a problem. Like someone came up to you with a Ziploc bag full of poo. Uh, Well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so food manufacturers did that because when you add borax to food, it firms it up. Mm. So suddenly veggies that are wilted aren't wilted anymore. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, meat that's maybe just like mm, falling off the bone in a bad way all of a sudden firms up a bit. Gross. Now, granted, this study wasn't perfect, obviously, but it was way ahead of its time. And frankly, everybody thought it was kind of cool. Pretty soon, reporters started sniffing around trying to figure out what Harvey was up to. Where those stool samples were. <laughs> That's why they started sniffing. <laughs> sniffing, exactly. And then they found out, and they were like, is that a Ziploc bag? Has that been invented yet? <laughs> also, dirty. Dirty. <laughs> Harvey hated that people were kind of sniffing around his experiment because he had sworn all of his volunteers to secrecy. And also, this was not cool. It was science. Okay. Which is something I've shouted many a time. Yeah. (laughs) But a reporter for the Washington Post wouldn't give up. He started writing about the study, and those articles got picked up in newspapers all over the country. Readers were so intrigued by these mysterious young men who were eating poison for the good of the country. (laughs) How fun and quirky! They dubbed them... The Poison Squad. Mm. 
Har- That's a cool name. It is a cool name. A cool ass name. Yeah, the Poison Squad. Did they get jackets? They should have. Yeah. Harvey initially hated that people were talking about his studies as kind of like sensational and tabloidy. But then he realized, well, this is actually what I've always wanted. You know, the general public is talking about the stuff that companies are adding to the food supply. So he started embracing, I almost said embracing interviews. No, he embraced the publicity and did the interviews. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just why don't you calm down? Okay. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Soon he was able to release his study on the effects of borax on the human body. And it turns out it's great. We should all be consuming tons I don't of it. I think so. No, it was horrifying. Obviously, the control group was perfectly fine. Yeah. Those lucky bastards, they were just eating pork chops, yeah. living their lives. But the group who'd been served food with borax had gotten sick. They'd lost muscle mass. They had these weird headaches. They were nauseous. Harvey had been thinking early on that there were probably safe amounts of these chemicals to consume. But now he's like, wait a minute, this is cumulative. This adds up. And in all likelihood, we just shouldn't be consuming this at all because you really can't put a label on a product that's like, hey, if you eat this every day for six weeks, you're probably going to have loose stools and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's yeah, that's what I'm assuming he was thinking. Right. Because I've got such a good connection to him. (laughs) (laughs) Harvey's Borax study got people talking. That year, the new food safety bill went up for debate. And Harvey had high hopes for it. He testified in front of Congress, and he was like, here are the facts. Mm, mm, mm. But the food manufacturers were not happy with the facts, so they tried to ruin his reputation. They were like, he's a great big phony. Also, he's still single. Kind of weird, right? Worst of all, he's anti-business. No, he's not He's anti-business because he's coming after my business. Anti-business. No. You want America to fail. No. Yep, you do. No. Mm -hmm. He just wants companies to have to tell people what they're putting in the food. But if we tell them, they won't buy our (laughs) shit. So therefore, anti-business. Okay. Once again, Harvey found himself disappointed. The food bill of 1902 didn't even go to a vote. And this new president, Teddy Roosevelt, had seemed all progressive, but in reality he was turning out to be a bit of a weenie about food safety. But Harvey didn't lose hope. He was like, okay, I've made a bit of a splash with the poison squad, but I need more people to care about this issue. And he knew just who to turn to. Who? The ladies! Picture it. Twas 1904. The women's rights movement was picking up steam. Women couldn't vote yet, but they did have influence and they were getting better organized by the day. Plus, at the time, women were mostly in the home and they were the ones who, you know, generally speaking, were responsible for keeping their families nourished and safe. Yeah. So Harvey figured, okay, if anyone is going to give a flying fuck about food safety, it's going to be women. So he began speaking to women's groups. And they listened. I mean, they were passionate about this. They didn't want to kill their kids with this nasty milk. He teamed up with suffragettes. Did they sing the song from Mary Poppins? Obviously. No, they sang Dirty by Christina Aguilera. No! I'm coming back to this. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that song. Me too! 
the biggest cookbook author. I meant the Suffragette what? song from Mary Poppins, not the Christina Aguilera song. You love them clarity. both. Don't you love them both? Yeah, They're I like the Christina songs. Aguilera song. Yeah. But in that particular moment, I was referring to the Suffragette song from Mary Poppins. You know, I can hold two truths at once. <laughs> Those are both amazing songs. (laughs) The biggest cookbook author in the country, a woman named Fanny Farmer, began writing about the dangers of chemicals in food. They did a letter-writing campaign. They put pressure on the government. And soon, food safety was part of the progressive agenda. So suck on that, everyone. Okay. Then, it doesn't seem that like like it doesn't seem like this should be such a crazy idea. It was a wild idea. That is nuts. He was fighting against like the biggest forces of his day. Wow. I mean, this was like a real buyer beware society. Yeah. And yeah, if you bought something that killed you, I guess it was just too damn bad. Right. In 1905, Harvey published the results of another Poison Squad study. This time he was like, hey, everyone, adding salicylic acid to wine and beer can make your gastrointestinal tract bleed, so maybe we should stop doing that. Yeah. It is good for the acne, though. It was funny to be like, wait a second, I like that. Oh, wait, I don't consume it. Okay, we're good. I was about to be one of the haters. I was like, Harvey, how are you still single? So the public hears this and they're like, holy shit. And the government is like, I'm sorry. I like how creeped out you look when I do uh-huh, it. I'm pretty creeped out by <laughs> it. <laughs> so now Harvey is super duper pissed. Are we keeping track of the scale? Yeah. Okay. He's like, I hate Congress. They don't care about this issue. I am going to talk to the president directly. But there was one problem with that. Teddy Roosevelt thought that Harvey Wiley was a pain in the ass. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> okay. This, this is the weirdest reason to have beef with someone. But this, is, this was the crux of the problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Teddy Roosevelt really liked this new artificial sweetener that was on the market. And Harvey was like, that's bad for you. You should stop using it. And Teddy was like, how can it be bad for me? My doctor says I should use it, and I like it. So they got into this big fight, and yada, yada, yada. Harvey and the pure food movement was screw diddly ood because Teddy Roosevelt loved Splenda or whatever this – I mean, it wasn't Splenda, but we get the idea. Don't besmirch the good name of Splenda. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You love Splenda. You are Teddy Roosevelt, (laughs) and I am Harvey Wiley. (laughs) (laughs) But then, on February 10th, 1906, something incredible happened. Are you ready? Yeah. Gird your loins. What do you think it was? Gird my loins? Yeah. You probably don't actually have to do that, but I thought it would be a fun (laughs) thing to say. What do you think happened that day? I don't know. Somebody died. Huh? Somebody died? Well, probably somebody died. (laughs) No, Upton Sinclair published his novel, The Jungle. Oh, yeah. If I'm being super accurate, it was in installments, so it was probably like the first. Right. Hey, we get the idea. Yeah. Anyway, it took America by storm. As research for the novel, Upton Sinclair had worked undercover in the meatpacking industry. So his book contained all kinds of nasty stories about the meat industry. He wrote about rat infestations and 
who and like human fingers, oopsies getting chopped off and mixed into the meat products. You know, I said fingers, but just any body parts, really. Right? They said appendages in the American Experience episode. So to me, we might be dealing with more than just a finger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He talked about diseased cow carcasses. What kind of appendage are you imagining, Kristen? What? Hmm? Hmm? Excuse what me, ma'am? What appendage are you imagining? Ma'am, how old are you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You think anybody ever got their dick ripped off in a meat processing machine? Those things were unregulated. <laughs> it was the wild, wild west, Okay. It was a mess out there. I would not be shocked if some dude lost his ding-a-ling and it got mixed into someone's sausage and they ate that up for Sunday brunch. Okay? I'm not ruling it out, and I don't think you should either. (laughs) Anyway, fun fact, he actually wrote that book to make a point about workers' rights. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure people did notice the workers' rights being besmirched, you know. But what it really did was horrify people about... These disgusting conditions at these meat processing plants. Apparently, people were like, holy shit, am I a cannibal and I don't even know it? Right, yeah. Because everyone thought they'd had a dick in their mouth. (laughs) Brandy, you keep doing that thing where you throw your voice and you do an impression of me. Yeah, okay. It it paints me in a light that I don't appreciate. (laughs) People were horrified by this book. They were absolutely disgusted. But Harvey was thrilled because this book did what he had been trying to do for decades. It had captured the public's attention. In fact, the book was so disturbing that Teddy Roosevelt was like, hang on a second. I need to figure out if this novelist is just exaggerating or if this is really happening. So he sent in some people to investigate the meatpacking industry. And they came back and they were like, Mr. President, it's all true. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) One one guy was like, I saw a dead cow get dropped into a full latrine and nobody washed it off. And they just chopped it up and sent it on its way. And And then threw a whole bunch of dicks in there with it. (laughs) Packaged in dicks. They didn't have packing peanuts. They just just severed penises. And Teddy Roosevelt was like, that's disgusting. But how's the Splenda? (laughs) Do not touch my Splenda! My doctor said it's a good substitute. I don't want to hear anything different. No, so Teddy Roosevelt was grossed out, and he's like, look, Congress, if you don't get me a bill, I will release the report that my team just gave to me. And Congress was like, oh, no. And they real quick passed a Meat Inspection Act. And Harvey and everyone else was like, hey, while you're at it, how about you pass the Food and Drug Act? And they did because they had no choice because no one wanted to talk about the cow that got dropped in the latrine and was covered in dicks. And that's just what they said on American Experience. We didn't make this up. No, we would never. (laughs) So in June of 1906, Teddy Roosevelt signed those acts into law creating the first consumer protection laws in American history. Harvey was thrilled, but he had a lot more work to do. Yeah. Now he needed to come up with food safety standards, and he needed to make sure that the industry complied with the standards. And that's how his power kind of began to wane, because Harvey went after these big companies and 
the big companies didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Roosevelt didn't really like that. Government officials began questioning his qualifications. And then, you know, oopsies, maybe some people encouraged Harvey to bring a lawsuit against a little company called Coca-Cola. Harvey hated soda. He hated the idea of caffeine being marketed to kids. And so maybe some of his adversaries were like, hey, Harvey, it'd be so smart and good for you to sue the shit out of Coca-Cola. I bet you'd win. I bet you would win so hard. Wow. And Harvey was like, yeah, I think I will. Because you know what? I think caffeine is addictive. And I think people need to be protected from it. And I will make an example out of those assholes at Coca-Cola. By the way, Coke at this point had removed the cocaine. Okay. Very good to know because I was wondering about that. Yeah, it would would be kind of a margarine and milk situation, (laughs) wouldn't it? He's like, leave the cocaine. That's fine. Get that caffeine. Get rid of that caffeine. I want my children all coked up, (laughs) but don't (laughs) interfere with their sleep. Right. In March of 1911, the trial began. Government scientists testified about the effects of caffeine on the body, and people testified about being addicted to Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. What's with your face? Well, I mean, Coke still exists and it still has caffeine in it, so I don't mm-hmm. think Harvey's going to, I don't know, come out on top of this one. Well, you'd be pretty dense not to put that together. <laughs> Lawyers for Coke presented a study that they'd paid for Mm -hmm. that argued that caffeine was not hazardous. It actually enhanced cognitive performance. Mm -hmm. The Coke co-founder got on the stand and was like, I drink six glasses of this shit every day and I'm super healthy. So obviously it's fine. (laughs) A few weeks into the trial, the lawyers for Coke got so confident that they were like, you know what, Judge? We don't even think the government has the right to sue us over this shit. And the judge was like, you know what? I agree. Oh, my God. Trial adjourned. Wow. Harvey Wiley, you have egg on your face. <laughs> Better than on his shirt like Clarence Darrow. That's right. But Clarence Darrow won his trial. So let's, let's <laughs> evaluate that. So. <laughs> and then, as legend has it, the naysayers gloated and they double-fisted big gulps of Coca-Cola. Oh, gosh. And as they sipped and slurped and burped, they said to a heartbroken Harvey, I think we've all learned a big lesson about the limits of regulations. Oh, my gosh. Maybe you should leave really popular products alone. Also, thanks for telling us to stop consuming formaldehyde. But don't you dare fuck with our caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) In a recent bonus episode, I covered a case where a man consumed nearly a whole goddamn pizza as Chris Hansen mm-hmm. talked about his inappropriate chat logs with a 13-year-old. And um, the reviews are in. People didn't really enjoy hearing me do that, but gosh. You love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> So that sucked for Harvey because yeah. he was like, you're doing that into a microphone. That's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then remember that hot librarian, Anna oh, Kelton? Yeah, who's 30 years younger than him. Yeah, she's still 30 years younger, yeah. but now it's been like 10 years mm-hmm. since he proposed. And now she was like, actually, I kind of like the cut of your jib, Grandpa. Let's get married. 
So they did. They did? Yeah. Apparently, it was a very happy marriage. I am grossed out, though. And no one asked me, but they should have asked me. (laughs) Yeah, they had kids. Okay. Anna's cool because she was a big-time suffragist. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe back in the day, if if it's kind of one of those situations where, as a woman, you have to get married, maybe yeah. you marry a guy who's 30 years older than you, and then you're guaranteed, you know, some great years on the back end. Yeah. I didn't think that's what you were going to say. What do you mean? What did you think I was going to say? Something about Viagra not being invented yet. Oh, yeah, that's true. And yeah. he's not going to consume <laughs> any of that because he's right. a pure natural boy. That's All right. right. <laughs> So Harvey's personal life was going great, but a storm continued to brew in his professional life because a bunch of powerful officials wanted Harvey out of power. So they cooked up some bullshit about how he'd paid too much for an expert witness at the Coca-Cola trial, Mm -hmm. even though they'd approved every dollar he spent so they can shut the fuck up. But anyway, they went to President Taft and they were like, Harvey is bad. He spent all this money. He should be fired. And Taft, who was stuck in a bathtub at the time, was like, (laughs) "Okay, yes, he should be fired. But here's the thing. Harvey knew what these guys were up to. He knew he was about to be fired. So he went to the New York Times and he told them exactly what was really happening. And they printed the story and the story got picked up nationwide. And everybody was like, um, hey, President Taft, if you fire this guy, we're not going to buy you that big four person jacuzzi tub you've had your eye on. <laughs> and, you know, President Taft had no choice but to back down. OK, sure. That was like the one fun fact I remember being taught in school. I remember it so clearly as well. And you look back at him. I'm sorry. He's not. That guy can fit in a bathtub. Well, he's a big guy, but he can fit in a bathtub. Maybe not an old timey bathtub. An old timey bathtub must have been very small. He had to get a special order one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To fit four working men. They always said working working men. men, Yeah. Yeah. None of those layabouts. So Harvey didn't get fired, but, you know, he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. So on March 15th, 1912, Harvey resigned from the USDA. He was celebrated for all of his decades of relentless hard work and pushing for what needed to be done and not burping on a podcast, which he never did. Uh-huh. His whole life, he never burped on a podcast. Great. It's amazing. And after his retirement, he took a job at Good Housekeeping Magazine. It was a pretty kick-ass job. He worked there for 18 years. He tested products. He wrote a column. Yeah. He had the power to veto any advertisers whose products, you know, weren't up to his standards. And this is how we have the good housekeeping seal of seal approval. approval. Oh, yeah, cool. that's awesome. So he continued to have a lot of influence. And Dr. Harvey Wiley died in June of 1930 on the 24th anniversary of the signing of the Pure Food and Drug Law. His headstone reads, father of the pure food law. Eight years after Harvey Wiley's death, FDR signed the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And in all likelihood, none of that would have happened without the tireless work of Dr. Harvey Wiley, who had a passion for consumer safety. Yeah. And I think he's very cool. I wonder what his kids think about that, uh, that what? engraving on his headstone. No, I didn't even <laughs> think of that. I didn't even think of that. See, (laughs) the thing I didn't like was, you know, obviously he, I mean, he did so much for America, so much for everybody. But his wife, 
you know, she also was a big time suffragist, you know, not not as big in that movement as he was in this one. But, you know, the headstone just reads and his wife Anna, Uh and it's like, oh, mm, cool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go, mom. That was great. I loved that. Okay, I'm glad you liked it. I love the historic stuff. Oh, I, I know it sometimes was so you're not interesting. Inter- okay. Yeah. Right. Was it you know was it the cow brains that got you? Oh, God, don't talk about those anymore. I just for- I blocked that part out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got some milk for you. You want no. some? It's milk. <laughs> and the best part is you don't have to refrigerate. No, God. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Harvey. Yeah. No kidding. Thank goodness for Harvey. No, that was very interesting. I liked that a lot. You know what I like a lot? Doing ads. Yeah. Now it's time for an ad. Doodaloo. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. They've got snacks and smoothies and more. Also, two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Sign up and save. We've done the math, folks. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash LGTC50 and use code LGTC50 to get 50% off. That's code LGTC50 at factormeals.com slash LGTC50 to get 50% off. And now we're back from the ad. Doodaloo. Doodaloo. Should we take some questions from the Discord? Absolutely. To get into our Discord, all you have to do is sign up at our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. Sign up at our Patreon, on our Patreon, inside our Patreon, <laughs> so deep inside it. Brandy Step Away from the Penguin wants to know, how soon is too soon to move in with your significant other? I got my hours cut at work, and it would save us both a bunch of money. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I mean, that's why David and I moved in together, is he was spending so much time at my place, it seemed ridiculous to be spending money on his rent. So we, I mean, we moved in together fast. Two days. No, it was yeah. three months. <laughs> right? It wasn't that long. Four months. It was four months. Was it four months? Yeah. Okay. Norman and I waited a year. I remember feeling like uh-huh. it needed to be a year. Yeah. But I only felt that way because I'd moved in with a guy before Norman, and I was like, mm, big mistake. Yeah. yeah, I need to know somebody better. Mm-hmm. But like... I don't know. In this economy, I feel like you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> True Crime Degree asks, I know this has been asked before, but I'm planning a weekend trip to KCK, and I have to know where the best KC barbecue restaurant is. So my favorite is Jack Stack. There are multiple locations around Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Mine is Joe's KC, yeah. but I'm, I like Jack Stack, too. Yeah. You really kind of can't go wrong. Well, and, like, they're kind of two different types of... Kind of. Barbecue. Yes. One is in a gas, <laughs> in a gas station. station. The one then, I like is in a gas yeah, station. Yeah, and Jack Stack's kind of a fancier yeah. eatery. Which I feel... Is not befitting barbecue, but also it is good. So, it's really you know, good barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, CJ asks, have you seen T-Swift out and about in KC? I am not a Swifty. I would die if I saw Taylor Swift just out oh, and about. Yeah. I would lose my mind and I, I am too. I would not consider myself a Swifty. But yeah, so the answer me neither. is no, I, w- I wouldn't freak out at all. I'd be super cool. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's me. Calm down says, did you all know that you got a shout out from Rebecca Lavoie on today's episode of Other People's Problems? She said LGTC is one of the few podcasts she listens to. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, Rebecca Lavoie, crime writer's on. Yeah. Uh, she's a very big deal. She is. We, in other words. We hold her in very high esteem. The fact that she listens to us means we're really cool. <laughs> Okay. The Harvard of Boston asks, how do you guys get out of a depressive anxiety funk? <laughs> I've been so miserable lately. We quit our podcast. Taking it out on everyone else. I need some new suggestions. Yeah, I uh, we end our podcast. That's how we do it. <laughs> no, that's obviously not the right answer. I mean, in this situation, it's the right answer. Sure. But I think evaluating your life is a huge thing and really honing in on the source of anxiety. That's what I did. Yeah. In that that is how I, I don't know. That's that. That's what worked for me. I'm not saying that works for everybody. Just. Do you feel comfortable saying therapy? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I got into therapy as well. Right. And like that helped me take a look at my priorities in life and, and lay things out and find my source of anxiety as well. I think therapy is huge. Yeah. So a big thing that always helps me is like, okay, my anxiety is not my fault. It is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So like if I need to do therapy, if I need to try a medication. Yeah. But honestly, if it's just like stuff like, okay, today I'm having a really bad day. I know this sounds weird, but like a shower can be a magical thing. I was thing. about to say, Isn't it a so shower weird is what a huge. difference it makes? And it can feel so daunting. Yes. The idea yes, of just can. taking a fucking shower. Yes. Which it's like, but what is this, a 10, 15 minute commitment? But it man. It can change so much. Yeah. I think a shower Fresh clothing, mm-hmm. washing your bedding. Yeah. Yeah. Going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, going for a walk is like magic. Yeah. And I've gone for a lot of walks lately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so hopefully that helps. Yeah. Oh, in the trunk of a truck wants to know, what's a backhanded compliment you've received? Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. I wish that was a question that we had asked everyone in the Discord because it's one of those things. I bet you people have all kinds of great answers to that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What have I been told? (laughs) This isn't really – I don't know that this fits. Mm -hmm. But I remember one time when I was in college, I had been at a bar with my friends and I'd been sitting on a bar stool the whole night because it was St. Patrick's Day. And like, you know, if you've got a bar stool in Boston on St. Mm -hmm. Patrick's Day, you do not give it up. Yeah. And I'd been talking to this guy this whole time. And at the end of the night, I stood up and it was very clear I was much taller than him. Now, I was not rude. I probably showed on my face, Mm -hmm. but I was like, "Eh." and he just goes, so... You're really tall. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't seem like a full yeah. compliment. Um, I don't ugh, I don't know if this really fits, but it's the thing that's coming to mind. Uh-huh. Is when I was first really sick with my thyroid stuff. Oh. Do you know what I'm going to say? I absolutely <laughs> okay. know what you're going to say. Um, one of my symptoms was that I lost a ton of weight really mm-hmm. fast. Like 50 pounds in six weeks fast. That's terrifying. Yes. 
But at the time, I was a district manager, had multiple salons that I oversaw, and one of those salons was inside of a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And so I was visiting that salon one day, and the the greeter was always like stationed right outside my salon, the Walmart right. greeter. So I walk in, and it's this old man that I've talked to a thousand times before, mm-hmm. and I walk in, and I've been so fucking sick. Yeah. Like, and at that point, that point, they didn't even know. And you what didn't was know what it was yet. wrong, so no. it was really scary, it was super scary. And I walk in, and he looks at me, and he goes. Oh, my gosh, you look amazing. You've lost so much weight. And then he said, I bet your husband sure is happy. Yeah, he's thrilled that I'm really sick with a mysterious illness. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah. Nothing to worry about here. 50 pounds in six, six weeks. weeks. That's totally yeah. normal. Yeah. All yeah. my doctors are <laughs> yeah. thrilled. Yeah. Okay, so that... <laughs> And if we need to cut this, we'll cut this. But obviously, the past couple months, as, we, as we've been trying to figure out what to do. We have been an, an anxious mess, both of us. Yes. So we have both lost weight. <laughs> yes. So it is so, but it's so funny to me. Like, I feel like yeah. as a society, we're getting better. Like, we are getting better. Better than yes. we had been like even four or five years yeah. ago about this stuff. So the vast majority of people have not said anything yeah. to me about the weight that I've lost. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's this older gentleman in my neighborhood who I love. Yeah. And he just, well, you're losing weight. You look great. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. Uh-huh. It's because my business is imploding. <laughs> <laughs> I did have another person, though, who was like, you doing okay? Oh, that's nice. Well, He's been through cancer, so oh, I think sure. I think so if you've like, been through yeah. stuff and you know that mm, sometimes when people lose weight, it's not just because yeah. um, they're like on some new plan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad somebody put this in the Discord because I've been meaning to bring this up to you for so long and I keep forgetting. What? Did you know? <laughs> what? First of all, thank you. Will you call me Chip for uh-huh. mentioning this? Did you know that you are credited on IMDb as being on on Let's Go to Court? Okay. But also for appearing in an episode of Gilmore Girls what? and Little Cory Gory, a nineteen ninety-three. I don't know. Really? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> let's see, let's pull you up. <laughs> I have an IMDb page? We both do. Mine only says, let's go to court. Yours well, yeah, says... You don't have the prolific body of work that I do. says that you were in an episode of Gilmore Girls in 2002. Yep. I remember it well. Um, I was 16. You played uh, Jackson Family Number 3. <laughs> Wait, Jackson? Jackson Family Number 3. I played the whole I assume family? you played a family member no, of the character no. Jackson on the I'm show. I'm so versatile. I played the whole damn family just in a different and dress. And then you also played the male lady in uh-huh. the 1993 feature film, Little Cory Gory. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love to read you the synopsis of that film Please now. Please do. Please to do. jog your memory of when you started yes. it. Well, you know, it was a long time ago. I was a child actor playing a male woman, apparently. Abused by his older brother and stepmother, a high school student takes drastic steps to regain his independence. Oh, and it's gory. I assume he kills his whole family. That would be my guess. (laughs) 
So what was it like starring in that film as the male lady in 1993 when you were eight years old? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the best thing I can say is thank you for that Coogan account. Um, (laughs) Brandy, what episode number is that? Oh, I don't know. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. But I really like the idea of someone perhaps Googling me and thinking that I've done cool stuff yeah. when in reality I have not. <laughs> You've done lots of cool stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no relation to Mrs. Potts and Chip asks, tell us about your first speeding ticket. How old were you? What about your worst speeding ticket? So I have only received one speeding ticket mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. It was directly in front of my house. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And the hilarious part of it is that I was eating a donut when I got pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) Did you offer the officer part of your donut? I didn't. Well, that's why you got the ticket. That's why I got the ticket. Lesson learned. So I had literally, I had left my house, gone to pick up something from my my dad's business that I needed Mm -hmm. for work. Mm Mm-hmm taken a loop to the hen house grocery store to buy myself a single glazed donut. Okay. And you didn't then, go to a donut store? You went to the hen no, house? No, I went to the hen house. There was no oh. donut store close. So okay. Right all there right. To the this hen was house. a donut emergency. good donuts. All right. My favorite is a raised glazed donut. I know. I, so, yeah, yeah that yeah, they okay. had them. Great. Okay. And so then I'm in my car. Chomping uh, on my donut. Please don't do disgusting <laughs> chewing noises. Okay. Chomping on my donut when all of a sudden... I see lights behind me. I pulled over directly in front of my house. And it was at that moment that I realized that I didn't even have my purse with me. I just put, like, my debit card in my pocket. Yeah, because it was a donut emergency. Yeah. And so the police officer happened to be the same officer who had come to my house when I called the police because the guy had come in my garage. Yep. And so he remembered me. Broke he, into your garage broke is another in, yeah, way of putting Broke into my that. garage, correct. Um, and so he remembered me. Uh-huh. He let me go in my house and get my driver's license and my proof of insurance so that he didn't ticket me for those things. And you walked so. into your house and you locked the door and said, ha sucker. <laughs> I came right back out because I'm a fucking rule follower and I got my speeding ticket. Well, yeah, that would have been pretty dumb. Yeah, right? would have. Um, my one and only speeding ticket I've ever gotten. I have gotten three in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. The first, I was 16. Mm-hmm. And I was so dumb about this. First of all, I was going 17 over um, in a super residential yeah. area. And the guy, you know, put on his lights. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was like, well, I can't just pull to the side of this road. I should pull into this neighborhood so we're off the busy, the busy road. road. Turns out, Cops don't like they you don't calling like an audible <laughs> yeah. like that. So he wasn't, you know, was too impressed. Too yeah. Yeah. And then the other ones are just like boring stories like I was going somewhere and I was speeding and I got, got caught. But ticket. you know what happened both those other times? I did not pull into a neighborhood. I was like, <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> they want you to pull over right there. <laughs> do we want to do one more? Wrap yeah, Sure. All right, Southpaw Noobs wants to know, what is the worst rumor you've ever heard? The worst rumor? Yeah, is that Tom Hanks. (laughs) Patty, bleep it! (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
who told you a rumor like that? What kind of nut would say that so confidently? My The alarming thing about that is I was so confident that even when I listened to the edit, I was like, yeah, that's fine. And it, it wasn't until like days later, remember when I was like, yeah, I should probably we just, should Google just Google that Google fact that. that I definitely know. Yeah. Yeah. Worst rumor that I've ever heard. Worst rumor that I've ever heard. Hmm. 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 Gosh, I'm having trouble coming up with anything. Would you like to just start a rumor about someone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would. Thank you for this opportunity. (laughs) I appreciate it very much. Who would I like to take down? (laughs) No, but like I feel like the the people I you know I. Have ill feelings toward like uh-huh. their bad stuff's out there. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What am I going to be like? Hey, Tucker Carlson's a dick. People are going to be like, <laughs> People yeah, know that we, already. we know. Thank I you. heard that he got his appendage ripped off in one of those meat processing machines. My goodness. Yeah. And rumor has it, it tasted weird in the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm I'm realizing because we said we weren't going to take any more questions, and we're not. Yeah. But I did notice some questions about the KC Live show. Yeah. So now that first of all, now that our secret is out, yeah. baby. So we've got things to say. First of all, I've not seen anyone complain about how long the Supreme Court inductions have been lately. Oh yeah. Um, but they're going to be real long, folks. Well, and they've been long because yeah. For those people who signed up on Patreon at the $7 level or higher, they paid for a Supreme Court induction. And damn it, we're going to give That's you a right. Supreme Court induction. But, okay, this this episode comes out the 27th. 27th. Yeah. To Bob Moses? To Bob Moses. 28th to everyone else. to everyone else. So if you sign up at that level on Patreon um, after the 28th, I'm so sorry. We will not be able to induct you. Yeah. I hope you understand. Yes. Please we will accept still, this kiss. Yes. We will still do the bonus episode in March, the Zoom yes. call in March. Yes. Also, this is a personal message to, I believe her name is Dieta. Okay. On a Patreon. Oh, yes. Okay. A couple weeks ago, Dieta reached out and she's like, hey, I've, I've got some extra tickets to the live show. You know, could I give them back to you for, for free? You could give a do a giveaway, do whatever. And you and I talked. And we both felt the same way, which was like, oh, gosh, we would hate to take these tickets. Yeah. Knowing that, Dieta, with the show ending, hopefully you can just go sell those. Yeah, for, sell those to someone. Absolutely. Bidder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I sent you that weird message back that was like, could you hang on to those <laughs> till about the end of February, please? We just got to get some stuff figured out. Anyway, I was lying. There you go. <laughs> what else do we have to... Oh, this will feel so good to get out in the open. Yeah. Did I tell you? Um, so Kyla, Kyla's best friends from college, Ashton and Caitlin, they've been with us at Obsessed oh, Best yeah. both the years, yeah. you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So Kyla was like the other day, Kristen, just so you know, I had my phone call with Ashton and Caitlin and I, I did not tell them. <laughs> I did not tell them. 
And I was like, oh, Kai, you know, you can tell. You can tell them. Caitlin yeah. and <laughs> Ashton, that's really no big deal. And she's like, no, no, you know, I, I just wanted to hear from you if it was okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Kyla. <laughs> Because that, it was a Saturday, I think. And I had already had a massage scheduled uh-huh. for that day. And so, you know, I went in for this massage. And this guy's not a total stranger. I've gone to him a couple times yeah. before. But at the same time, like, we we don't talk. Talk, yeah. Um, so at the beginning, he's like, hey, you know, what? anything you want to work on? I was like, I've just got, you know, my back is messed up. Please, uh-huh. you know, just a lot of stress. Could you help me out with that? And he's like, absolutely. So he starts working on my back. And he's like, wow, yeah, this is this is pretty bad. I swear to God, I almost blurted out, well, things have been really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I just told him the whole thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, Kyla, uh, I don't know that I'm even keeping this secret very well guarded. Frankly, I barely kept it together <laughs> with this man I barely know. <laughs> How about you? You keeping it under wraps? Yeah, I mean, only great... my family knows. Well, yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> good for you. Only your family? Yeah. Boy, if there's ever a leak, we're going to know exactly who's responsible. <laughs> I have told so many you people. Have? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Yeah. No, of course. No, just my family. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you haven't been tempted to tell anybody else? I mean, yeah, I've had some oh. listeners come in the salon and ask oh, about the well, podcast. I'm not yeah. going to tell them. Yeah, but, you know, a random masseuse, sure. No. Your group chat with other friends? Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it feels good to, like, say, and I hope it's, yeah. I hope the message is re- well received. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's tough because it's one of those things we have no control yeah. over how it's received, but... Yeah. Um, this is the right decision. It's absolutely the right it's decision. A happy, like it. I should. I'm sad about it. Yeah. But this is for a happy reason. Like yeah. If things need to end, they need to end. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, gosh, should I say anything about asking old white guy? Yeah, do it. Okay. Absolutely. Soft launch it, Kristen. Well, heart fully, fully erect. Launch it. I ew, don't care. Fully erect. <laughs> I dare I say I think we've mentioned penises too many, too many times, times in this episode, <laughs> and now we're transitioning to a conversation about my about dad. dad. Thanks yeah. a lot. No, people are going to be so excited about that. Well, okay, so everyone, those who know the podcast well mm-hmm. know that my father DP loves the spotlight. Yes, he does, and he has wanted his own podcast for a long time uh, called "Ask an Old White Guy." So. <laughs> In like, I think October. Yeah, I recorded one. Uh-huh. Count it one episode with him. Yeah, and it was fun. But at the time, I was like, "Well, Dad, you know, I have a successful podcast." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and also, my dad like leaves on his RV trips yes. with my mom. You know, he has no work ethic, mm-hmm. whatever. So anyhow, when I told him, when I told my parents that the podcast was ending, my dad. I mean, picture Tanya Harding when she finds out that, yeah. oh, no, Nancy Kerrigan, <laughs> uh, her leg's not so good anymore. Yeah. He was he was literally like, oh, oh, my gosh. So I guess asking old white guys happening. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, we I, th- I think I should have something, you know, going. Yeah. You know? 
And he goes, well, I mean, I've kind of forgotten a lot of my good bits. (laughs) I guess I could come up with some more. (laughs) He was literally like, I don't know where I put my tap shoes. Oh, Oh, here here they are. (laughs) I've been wearing them the whole time. (laughs) Uh, So... Who knows how that podcast will go, if it will go. We'll, we will launch it. Yeah, launch um, that puppy. Yeah. More to come on that. Okay, so my dad and I had a long conversation about it, and I was like, yeah, so, you know, okay, I, I think we should give it a go, Dad. I think, you know, if nothing mm-hmm. else, it'll be fun. If, if it flops, it flops, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the main thing is please do not dox yourself again. Yeah. Because fans of the show know that my dad has doxed himself twice. Twice. And he was like, yeah, I absolutely, I'm not going to dox myself. Yeah, that that was a bad thing. I did that. Okay, we moved on. We changed topics. He didn't know what that meant, did we he? We circled back. He goes, what is doxing? <laughs> <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Who knows what will become of that podcast? Yeah. Will my dad dox himself a third time? Probably. Yeah. When I started to explain what it was, he was like, oh, like swatting. And I was like, well, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Should we move on to Supreme Court yes, inductions? Yes, everybody, everybody strap in. Strap in and strap on. Inductions. And everyone... Either you just don't listen to the Supreme Court inductions yeah, or what, hit but that, hit that God bless button if you want to. God bless Patty. On the first time we did yes. the long ass Supreme Court inductions, yeah. when we knew like, okay, we've got a ton to get through, she just sent a note, and Patty, we appreciate you. Yeah, it was just, uh, just just so you know, uh, the Supreme Court inductions are running four minutes and nine seconds. <laughs> <laughs> She didn't come out and say, that's insane. Yes. Uh, please stop. But uh, yeah, noted, Patty, and yeah. now you know why. Now you know why. <laughs> All right, we are continuing to read your names and your first celebrity crushes Ashley, Lance Bass, Natalie, Leonardo, and Claire, Karen, who isn't looking for a manager, just a good time, <laughs> David Beckham, Whitney S. Nick Carter, Hannah M, Harrison Ford, Phoebe, Keanu Reeves, Natalie F, Arnold from Hey Arnold for some reason. <laughs> Move it, football head. <laughs> I just spat. I'm so sorry. Alexandria, Colin Firth, Michelle Meyer, Devin Sawa, Megan Kiefsky, River Phoenix, Eva, Winona Ryder, Maritza, Scott Stapp, Cindy Ray. Oh, Ruvio from Hook. Yeah, that guy <laughs> was hot. Uh, that's Absolutely. gross to say. It was a kid. Ew. Yeah, well, Chris, but at when the you time, were a kid too, yeah, yeah. So okay, it's fine. all right, it's fine. fine. <laughs> Julie, Harrison Ford, Roberta Blab, Chris O'Donnell, Ralph Castaneda, Drew Barrymore, Aaron J, <laughs> the Disney Fox from Robin Hood. I yeah, yep. that was a hot cartoon. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Ash to the Ur, Donny Osmond. Shevin, Ricky Martin, Ryan and Winston, Ryan Reynolds, Michelle, Brendan Fraser, Brenda, Leonardo DiCaprio, Karen, Sean Cassidy, Tyree Finnegan, JC Chazé, Nikita Sartori, Eminem, Megan, Joel Madden, Marissa Matthews, Lance Bass, Winter, David Duchovny, Michelle, Darcy Carden, Melissa, Michael J. Fox, Holly, 
Leonardo DiCaprio, Christy F., Alyssa Milano, Jojo Lemus, John Cena, Lisa Auday Elferink, Ruby Rose, Queef on a Cracker, <laughs> Young Man Simba, you know when his voice drops as he's crossing <laughs> that log, singing Hakuna Matata. I uh, know I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> Daffy Duck Tramp Stamp. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Header P. Donnie Wahlberg. Mary Peyton Marble. Holy shit, again, the Fox version of Robin Hood yeah. from the 1973 classic. Absolutely. My God. Jasmine Laura. Zane Malik. Christina Handorf. Ryder Strong. Diana Helgeson. David Duchovny. Katie Sperger. LeVar Burton. Melissa Tillikite. Jordan Knight. Sarah Minna. Keith Lockhart. Ryan Winston Irvin Edmiston. Ryan Reynolds. Sarah. Jodie Foster. Carrie. Chris O'Donnell. Jillian. Carrie Underwood. Dumb Looking Rock. <laughs> Steve from Blue's Clues. Erica. Justin Timberlake. Michelle. Han Solo. Carrie. Kirk Cameron. Kristen Mesa. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Catherine Clark. JTT. Susie Chamberlain Dawes. Steven Tyler. Bowen Gray's Mama. Devin Sawa. Brittany Grimm. Not JTT. Oh, Brittany liked the older one. Okay, Zachary Ty <laughs> Brian. I believe he was just arrested for a DUI. Been in the news. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Linda. Sean Cassidy. Becca. Uncle Jesse. Jayma. Kiefer Sutherland. Hello, Carrie Kitty. Lou Diamond Phillips. Andy Cote. It was some boy on a commercial that I can't remember what it was about, but it was on during cartoons. Excellent. Uh, slightly less specific than the person who had a crush on <laughs> the 12 seconds in The Lion King. Yes. Yeah, all right. We'll allow it. <laughs> Emily. Morton Harkett. Shelby Siren. Devin Sawa. Maggie. Rio from Jim and the Holograms. Amber W. River Phoenix. Danielle Smurthwaite. Leonardo DiCaprio. Helena. Dave Franco. Lonnie Lee. Andy Beersack. Marie New. Jordan Knight. Ruth. Joshua Jackson. Sasha Purcell. Harrison Ford. Caitlin. Nick Carter. Sex and Candy. Usher. Melissa Duchesne. Jonathan Brandis. Welcome to the Supreme Court! Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. Oh, gosh. what Do I still say the stuff at the end of the episode? Why not? Yeah. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please I will yell at you if you're rude. Subscribe <laughs> to the podcast <laughs> wherever you listen. And head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week. When Brandy will be an expert on a whole new topic. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. For this episode, I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitated it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. So I owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the Poison Squad episode of American Experience, which was based on the book The Poison Squad by Deborah Bloom. Any errors are, of course, ours. Please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. <laughs>